You are listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host and teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom and The Divorced Christian. For more information, visit the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. And now here's your host, Darius Good. Welcome to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good. And on this podcast show, we go through the subject of divorce and Christianity. And we look through the subject of divorce throughout the scriptures. I began this study um, for a period of time. It lasted about a year and a half as I studied out the subject of divorce, the subject of the culture of the Jewish people there in the scriptures. And I was uh, completely blown away by the information that I learned, um, majority of which most pastors are unfamiliar with. And so as I began putting my notes together, um, I wrote it more or less in book form for those that are interested in my notes on the subject. The book is entitled The Divorced Christian. It's available on Amazon.com. You can find that information on the website at thedivorcedchristian.com. It makes the teachings of Jesus on the subject of divorce, of adultery and remarriage uh, so much easier to understand. And so... Um, When you get a chance, visit the website. Um, I have links at the bottom of the website where you can go to articles and different things um, that I do have mentioned. I do mention in the book, but you can read these articles for yourself um, as you learn the law of Moses, because Jesus was not establishing new teachings or new laws. He was reiterating the laws of Moses and most of the laws we are not familiar with. And so we're going to deal a little bit with that on today, but I do want to deal with the topic of women on today. Um, Women could divorce their husbands for just just cause. And so we're going to get into this topic on today. Visit the website. You'll find the notes there at the bottom of the website. So you are listening to episode 37, Jewish women could divorce for just cause. I find it interesting as we talk about the subject of biblical marriage and the subject of divorce, I find it strange as I did my studies uh, for a year and a half focused solely on divorce. I, of course, then learned what biblical marriage was according to what was established by the law of Moses and how they lived their lives as it pertained to marriage. And the teachings that I learned um, that was established based on the law of Moses, I do not hear that taught in the Christian community or in the Christian church. And I find this mind boggling when we talk about a biblical marriage. They don't know anything about certain laws that were required by Moses. And so then we want to make these arguments in regards to divorce And so I'm making both arguments. We're not following the scripture in regards to marriage and we're not following the scriptures in regards to divorce as well. So on today, we're going to deal with one particular topic of women being able to divorce their husbands in the scripture. And so, of course, we have to go to the law of Moses and the teaching that I've consistently heard in regards to women 
was that women could not initiate divorce. And then we move on from there, leaving the mindset or understanding that a woman could not divorce her husband. So she was, in essence, stuck in her marriage. So let me say this first, because I do want to highlight two points that are critical in understanding women in the Bible. And these are really, really bad teachings when it comes to women. Number one is taught that when it came to marriage, the woman did not have a say so in her marriage or who she married. That is 1000 percent untrue. And I hear a lot of preachers, a lot of teachers say this. But according to the law of Moses, Moses required that the woman had a say so in who she married. She had to agree to the marriage. Dad could not simply marry her off. That was unlawful. And so let's go through some some biblical examples to see if this is true. Because we say a lot of things, uh, ministers, preachers, pastors say a lot of things from the pulpit. And I go through the scriptures to see if that lines up with any of the stories that are in the Bible. And so when it comes to a marriage, I can't think of one example of a father taking his daughter and marrying her off against her will to another man. But I can give you several examples of a woman where she uh, gave her opinion and agreed to the marriage. Let's go to our patriarchs and the matriarchs. And so we have the story of Isaac. And what's fascinating in this particular story is Abraham sends his servant to find a wife for his son, Isaac. And when he arrives at the well, he makes a prayer and he asks God for a sign. The woman who he asked for water is she's willing to provide water for him and also water for his camels. This will be the sign to him that he has found the right woman to be the wife for his master's son, Isaac. The woman that arrives at the well is Rebecca. She does exactly what he had prayed. And so he then begins to initiate a conversation with her in regards to marriage. Now, I won't take the time to go through the details because I'm actually working on a book now that focuses on these particular details in regards to their social lives. And this, this book is going to center around misteachings that I've heard from the pulpit. And so you find in this particular story, Rebecca returns home with items given to her. He gave her gold and it was a bracelet of gold and a ring that was presented to her. She goes to her, her mother's house. That's what the scripture says. Goes to her mother's house and then begins to talk with her father, her mother, and her brother Laban. And they begin this process of negotiation. And they say, ask her if she's willing to go back. Now, just so you know, according to their customs, when she accepted the ring, and I'm going to highlight this point that is it's not talked, but it's there in the scriptures. The ring that was given to her was a nose ring. And I'm highlighting this because nose rings were worn by women during that period of time and era. 
They are worn by women that were married. So in him giving her this ring, as well as these bracelets, it was an indication that he is trying to match make. He's coming to her to present an opportunity for marriage. And her accepting that nose ring was a sign to him that she is now interested in this offer. It was sort of the spousal payment. So as they're sitting down with the parents and there are technically now they didn't have ketubas back then. They are marriage agreement, a legal document through the court. But they are technically negotiating a marriage agreement between Abraham's son and their daughter, Rebecca. And so just seeing this particular story helps us understand the laws of Moses as now in Deuteronomy chapter 24, when a man have taken a woman, that's the betrothal period, that's the negotiation, that's the establishing of the ketubah, the marriage agreement, which now becomes a legal court document according to the law of Moses. It was presided over by, they had priests involved, they had scribes, legal uh, documents were written by their scribes. So the ketubah was written by a scribe and it detailed the marriage agreement. So with Rebecca, we see her agreeing to the marriage. Let's go to the next generation. We have Leah and Rachel and both women agreed to marry Jacob. We go to the story of David and we have the story where David kills Goliath. He was promised Mirab, M-E-R-A-B, the oldest daughter of Saul, her hand in marriage. But then when King Saul who then refused to give him the older daughter's hand in marriage, discovered that the youngest daughter loved David. This is Michal, M-I-C-H-A-L. It pleased the king. And so now they went and negotiated in private. This is key. They negotiated in private for the hand of marriage between David and Michal. So there you do not see a coming together of Jesse and King Saul they did their negotiations in private and they did not technically follow the law of Moses, but there was an agreement that was made. So it was a legal binding agreement, which David then reminds Ishbosheth of later in the story when he returns and calls for Mikael to come back. Remember, that's my wife. Remember the agreement between uh, me and your father, because he's talking to Ishbosheth, which is the son of Saul. And then Michal was taken from her husband and given back to David, because with David being alive and not having divorced her, she was still legally his wife. OK, so now we have several stories of a woman agreeing to marry the man. So it's not true that women were simply given by their fathers away in marriage. With that being said, the law of Moses also stated that a woman could not initiate a divorce. So we understand that the ketubah, the marriage agreement now established Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse one, the ketubah, the marriage agreement discussed what the woman would receive if the husband divorced her. So now, 
Before they enter into their engagement, they've sat down and they've come to an agreement. Oftentimes the agreement was the matching of whatever the dowry was. So as dad would give the husband-to-be, the groom, the dowry for the purpose of if they get divorced, she is now to receive her portion of wealth from her father. And then the woman is to receive her ketubah, which was a payment given to her also by the husband if he divorces the woman. So she's receiving these two items. With that being said, she could not initiate the divorce. So now we teach as Christians, women could not divorce her husband. And that's not true. The key word is initiate. So there were reasons for which a woman could go to the court and request that the court compels the husband to divorce her. So that's how that process to work. She could not decide, I want to divorce my husband, go to the court, and then initiate the process with the court. Instead, she was required to go to the court and state her reasons why the court should contact the husband and tell him to initiate the divorce with the woman. Now, this law was established based on the legalities of Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'm going to stress this point, and then we're going to look at Deuteronomy 24. The law of Moses, these are court laws. I know they're, they're laws that deals with um, character and how people handled each other, but I think we keep missing, missing the fact that this was their, in essence, their, their constitution. This is their laws that govern their land. When people broke the law of Moses, there was a consequence for it. Uh, the, the worst, of course, was death, but there was floggings. There was uh, uh, financial payments and fines that had to be paid. So these laws pertain to, being, uh, to going to court and now facing the judge. And I think we don't understand that clearly when we talk about the law of Moses. Thou shalt not kill. That's a court matter. That's being charged with murder, charged with manslaughter. Thou shalt not lie or thou shalt not bear false witness. That's court. So we don't really view the law of Moses in that particular context. So it's important that we understand that, that when we read through the laws in Exodus, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, these laws are legal terms. Uh, processes, and so certain words determine what's legal and what's not legal. So with that being said, because the law of Moses required the writing of a bill of divorcement, which was not written by the man, another false teaching by teachers, it's not a legitimate divorce if the man wrote it on a piece of paper and handed it to his wife. So it had to be done by a scribe in the court in the presence of three priests, their lowest court required three judges, three priests to uh, to review the case. So it says, let him 
write her a bill of divorcement. The scribe wrote it on behalf of the man and give it in her hand. So once the document was signed by the man and also two witnesses, then the bill of divorcement was placed in the hand of the husband. And then he was required to place it in the woman's hand. Because of this, and the language says him placing it in her hand, legally, the woman could not initiate the divorce. So the only way this was done was when the court went to the husband and said, you need to re-divorce your wife. And then the husband could then initiate the divorce based on the request of the wife. Now, in the very beginning, the law did not require the consent of the woman for the divorce to become legal. But over time, those laws were changed. And so the woman was then given authority, the right to say or agree with the divorce. Otherwise, if she didn't consent, then the the divorce was not a legal divorce. And these are some of the laws and steps and rules associated with the laws of divorce that we ignore in our teachings on Sunday morning. And so uh, with this being said, uh, at the, the, the woman could request that the Jewish court compel the husband to perform the act required for a divorce. And there were some circumstances by which the woman had just cause and the court would agree with her. Let's go through a few of these circumstances. One is when the husband possibly had a physical defect that was deemed unendurable. Now, mind you, they did not date the way that we date. A man could not touch a woman that was not his wife. Their culture viewed that as being shameful. Even when it comes to open displays of affection between a husband and a wife, That was never done outdoors. That was always reserved for private. So when it came to dating, there was no physical contact between the man and woman, even once engaged. Uh, He didn't touch her until their wedding night. So when it came to dating, the man and woman always met with a chaperone. Mind you, the woman was usually about 13, 14. The man was uh, late teens or early 20s. And then they would agree to marriage, at which point the the families would come together and they would draft their agreements of the dowry, spousal payment, the ketubah, um, inheritance, what the woman will receive if the husband dies, what she will receive if he divorces her, that's the ketubah. All this information was written into their marriage agreement. It also included land or wealth that the woman owned. I know we teach women didn't have businesses and they couldn't work and they they just stayed at home and cooked and cleaned. But it's not true. Let's go through the scriptures. We see that the virtuous woman was out and she was dealing with um, different trades and she's negotiating things out in the marketplace. So these weren't women tied to their homes. And so a lot of these women were coming in with wealth, generational wealth given through dowries. We ignore that and highlight the double portions. Well, the oldest son, firstborn, got double portion. All the other sons got a portion and all the girls got their dowries. And this is how it was structured according to 
the law of Moses. And of course, we always ignore the fact that in a family where the woman did not get married, then she was permitted to receive the double portion like that of the sons. And so there's laws that pertain to the inheritance regarding women as well that we often ignore. But you're talking about generational wealth passed down from generation to generation and women were, were receiving this in their dowries. With that being said, when the couple gets, gets married about a year following the signing of the ketubah, they haven't had physical contact with each other. So you might discover something about your spouse that is physically unbearable. With that being said, the court did not require her to remain married to the husband. There's times where the husband, here's, here's, here's another cause, where a woman was able to compel the court to have her husband initiate a divorce with her. If the husband failed to perform his marital duties, that was written in their ketubah, that he'll provide food, he'll provide shelter, and he will perform marital duties to the woman. If the husband refused to be intimate with his wife, she could legally ask the court to compel her husband to divorce her. It was a part of their Jewish culture that man and wife came together and had children. And we see this clearly throughout the scriptures. We see that women that were barren throughout the scriptures, this was a major problem. They believed in God's word, which was what? Men and women, God blessed them and told them to be fruitful and to multiply. And that's a still, this is still part of the Jewish mindset. We're going to obey God's law. Men and women should get together and produce family. So now when the man refused to be intimate with his wife, then this is one major issue that allowed women to now uh, be released from their marriage because he broke the ketubah. He broke the agreement. Also, it's a very strong belief in the Jewish family that men and women need to have children so that they could be taken care of in their older age in life. We can see this in the conversation in Matthew chapter 15. Jesus brought up the, in one of his debates with the Pharisees and also with the scribes, he said to them, he said, whosoever shall say in his father, to his father and mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. He said, then you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your traditions. He's going back to the law of Moses and talking about what was established by Moses. The requirement that what was promised and should be given to the parents by the children was then being given to the temple. And this was a tradition that they had begun that really violated the laws of Moses. And so the children, these are grown adults, were to honor their mothers and father. And so we see this within the scriptures. I'm going to read a passage from my book, chapter 12, Jesus Permits Women to Divorce. And in page 97, I have a quote from the Mishnah Ketubah, 
is 7 verse 10. And what it reads is, it says, and these are the defects for which the court forces him to divorce her. One afflicted with boils or one who has a pulp or one who works as a gatherer or one who works as a milder of copper or one who works as a tanner of hides, all of whose work involves handling foul smelling materials. Whether he had these defects before they got married or whether they developed after they got married, the court forces them to divorce. In the Talmud in Yevamat, the Yevamat 65b, it explains, now this is a writing from the Talmud. It explains that if the husband is found to be sterile, the court can compel the man to divorce his wife. And the argument is that a woman must be given the opportunity to bear a child in order to have someone to care for her in her old age. Also, in the regards to the laws of polygamy, the man could legally take multiple wives. He could have multiple ketubas, legally binding marriage agreements with multiple women. That was according to the law of Moses. The woman could not. She could only have one marriage agreement with one man. So the man either had to die or divorce her. But what's interesting is the man could not take a second wife without the first wife's consent. And so if she wrote in her ketubah that he could only have one wife, and if he wanted a second wife, she would have to consent to that and make a change to their ketubah. Or he was required to divorce her and pay her her dowry and her ketubah as well. So teachings that women could not divorce their husbands are not entirely true. They couldn't initiate the divorce, but they could get a divorce. Thank you for joining us on today. If you're listening by radio, join us same time next week. If you're listening by podcast, remember to like, share, and subscribe. And until next time, be blessed. You've been listening to the Divorced Christian Podcast Show with your host, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center, and he is the author of the book, The Divorced Christian. To learn more about this book and other books written by Darius, or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at thedivorcedchristian.com. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation, understanding, and healing. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, be blessed.